Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey, but we want to reach this out to a wider audience, and doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. So we have Charlie Romelli Otis on. There's been a lot of drama in the uh, NHL the last couple of days. And as the NHL put out uh, in the summer, it should be no soap operas and just NHL hockey. So I thought it'd be perfect to have uh, Charlie Romelli Otis on to uh, discuss the Blackhawks and not discuss the uh, absolute drama that's happened in the past like few days, it seems like. Not even like the, the Rangers stuff, but like the whole Vancouver-Toronto feud. It's just... There's been so much of that, so uh, why not get our good uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Charlie Romeliotis, Charlie on. What's going on, Charlie? What's going on, boys? Thank you guys for having me on again to to talk some hockey. Thanks for coming back on again to talk some hockey, man. What is this? This is the third time, Pierce. Yeah, yearly appearance. Very, very good friend of the podcast. Does this mean yeah. I do I have the most uh, do I have, do I have the most tallies of guest appearances or yes or you am do I still yeah. lacking just yeah, like the just tomorrow, like the so. Beatles have uh, their fifth member you're the fourth of people's cast member oh my gosh <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far I still think you guys are uh, holding the fort down pretty well yourself but I appreciate you guys having me on again. <laughs> Alrighty, let's not uh, waste any time. Again, just hockey, no soap soap opera. Um, Have you been this last a little bit, Charlie? This is actually the first time we were having you on while hockey's being played, because the first time we had you on, I think it was the summer, and then the second time we had you on was, uh, like, I think a month after the pandemic hit. So uh, how have you been this past uh, year or so? Yeah, it's it's been good. It's been, obviously, a very uh, different season that we're accustomed to, even just going to practices and 
not being allowed inside the locker room and then going to games and everything is being done virtually and there are no fans in the stadium. And so it's been weird. And, and I think the road games have probably been the weirdest part too, because I mean, essentially us writers, usually we, we travel to the games and we're there and, and this year it's like, Oh, there's a Blackhawks game on at seven and I'm just (laughs) covering the game from my couch. And it's just like doing zoom calls from, um, you know, from your couch and your, so it's, it's just been a different season. And, but I think it's been, um, you know, obviously we hope to that next season gets back to normal as, as normal as possible and, and the world can normalize. But yeah, it's definitely been a, a different season about making the most out of it. Alrighty. So we're going to get right into things. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to blast you with some questions here. So my first question comes, well, comes from me. Um, what do you think is Nikita Zadorov's future with this team? Because, um, obviously they gave up Brandon Saad for Nikita Zadorov. Obviously I'd have to bring that up because, uh, Jimmy loves Brandon Saad, but, um, uh, what do the, does he have a future in Chicago? Because uh, like uh, by a lot of uh, estimations, his contracts like he wants to stay in Chicago, but there's been some like r- whispers, rumblings that he wants like a four times four contract, and I just don't. I don't mind Nikita Zadorov the player, but if they're gonna play, pay him that much, and especially when you look at what they paid Riley Stillman, who essentially kind of gives you the same kind of uh, attributes for less money, I'm just wondering what his future is in Chicago and what do they see in him because like obviously yeah the big body he hits and knocks players off the puck but what else like it's just what do they do with him in this offseason yeah it's a it's a tough question because I do feel like when the Blackhawks acquired him they felt like he could bring something on the back end that they were lacking a lot of and that's the physicality and the guys that can you know, obviously the Blackhawks over the last several years have ranked towards the bottom of the league and in, in slot shots against. And so I think they, they kind of viewed Zadorov as a guy that could just really avoid some of those guys, some of the opponents parking in front of their goaltenders and taking away the eyes. And so he could be a guy that, that really battles in front. But he had such a, a fairly strong start to the, to the season, and then he just dipped off and and I think I was talking to a scout um, a couple weeks ago and, and he, he said that he thinks the door off there, there's an identity crisis there where the Blackhawks are really focused on him defensively but he feels like maybe there's more offense like he, he could be more of an offensive player and no. so it's a little bit of a oh different yeah and so and so but as far as his future goes I think the signing of Riley Stillman really kind of changes the outlook a little bit because it, it, they're essentially they, they play a similar style and Stillman is offering you that for you know three million dollars less than than what Zadorov is going to be next season so it, it's going to be something that we're going to have to monitor going forward um I'm not sure where, where the Blackhawks stand on him uh right now as far as who they're going to protect in the expansion draft and whether he's a guy that they don't mind walking um out the door for free or if they feel like they have to maximize their return for him because they traded him or they, they because they acquired him for Brandon Saad. So that's something, that's a storyline I'm sure that we're going to be monitoring going forward here. My thing with Nikita Zadorov, sorry, my thing with Nikita Zadorov <laughs> is that, yes, he's fine defensively, yes, he makes all those hits, but as soon as he gets the puck on his stick, it's just like he's handling a grenade out there, and it just seems like this is what Mark he Rich. is right now, like he's not going to 
grow anymore. So I just it's 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 confusing to me what they see in him. Like again, I can understand the physical attributes, but again, you acquired Riley Stillman in that trade. He's a lot younger. He could potentially grow maybe more of an offensive game than what Nikita Zadorov had. I I just think at this moment Zadorov is what he is, and I just I don't know if I see him growing more and. He has an RFA, so they might be able to trade him for maybe something a little bit back. I don't think they'll get much, but uh, it's just, it's not even that I hate him as a player. <laughs> it's just that the con- the potential contract that he could sign, like, again, like a four times four, you don't want to hamper yourself with that, especially when Bowman has preached, you know, we got to get our contracts under control and not giving out long terms to guys like this unless they're absolutely a part of your future, and I just don't see Zadorf as a part of that. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Schmidt, you can go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, I was just... I was um, <clears throat> I was also just gonna mention that uh, if you re-sign a guy like DeHaan, you're gonna have guys like DeHaan, Zadorov, and Keith taking up those left-handed side minutes, and you have guys like Bodan and Kalina coming up. And I think all of us would just like to see them get a little bit more time in each of these games. So if you re-sign a guy like Zadorov, it just it creates more of a, a logjam on that left side. It's gonna have five guys going into it next year. So it's just yeah. interesting to see what they're gonna do. Yeah, and that's that's the tough part about it too, because you have all these young guys coming up, and you're like, okay, like we wouldn't mind having a Zadorov on our third pair, but who is he blocking, and for what price do we want Zadorov taking up that chunk? You know, like if he was making, you know, in between one to two million dollars, you don't mind having a guy that can rotate in and out of your third pair. But you know, if if he's his qualifying offer would have to be at least four million dollars. Like, I don't think that's a guy where. You know, that, that's like top four money, uh, especially in this flat cap. So I don't know if you want to do that, especially if it's going to block some of the guys that are coming up in the system. Yeah, and that sort of, I feel like with Zadorov, um, we talked about this. It's sort of, it's funny enough, it's sad for Panarin effect. If you just picked him up, say you just picked him up for like a, a fourth, third, fourth round pick and you signed him for like one mil, two mil a year nobody's complaining about this like to the extent you know or even us like no, no one's that worried about Zadora but there's also like you said what Bowman sees and do I have to maximize his value to make up for the fact that I got him for Brandon Sod you know there's just there's all that pressure on him there's all that pressure on the GM to make something out of him um so I feel like that's just it, it's it's such a it, it's so unnecessary but you know it's just kind of the situation they put themselves into when they they move Brandon Sod for him. You you move a top six guy for Nikita Zadorov. This is what you get yourself into. Um, and this kind of transitions into uh, the next question, and that would be um, regarding Nicholas Bodan, right? So, uh, me personally, I'm a huge fan of his game. Uh, huge apologist for him, and I think we've seen a lot of him, uh, a lot from him this season in terms of transitioning the puck, and he's been really exactly what you want out of a sort of, uh, you know, second-pairing guy. He's, you know, he's rather sound defensively. He's got high hockey IQ. He can transition the puck, you know, just just like that. Um, but, and this could be just, you know, coaches trying to give different guys time, but we have seen him. It, it's It's been uh, not too often that we see him consistently getting games in a year where they've preached, you know, the youth movement, and they've done that for the most part. But with him... Uh, in general, he just hasn't gotten much consistent playing time. And the first thing I've thought of is uh, you look at Henry Okiharu, and he started to get less playing time, and he ended up getting moved in the offseason. I'm not necessarily saying or expecting him to be moved in the offseason, but it does make me wonder, where do you see Nicholas Bodan in the Blackhawks' future plans? 
Yeah, it's a good question. It's kind of funny because going into the year, he was kind of like the forgotten guy on the back end where there was all yeah, this hype on you know, Adam Boquist taking the next step, and then Ian Mitchell was coming over finally. You know, there was a lot of hype around some of the, the younger guys, and Nicholas Bodan was, was kind of like an afterthought, because, and, which is funny because he's a, he's a first-round pick. Um, and so when he comes in, like, I, I agree. Like, I, th- I thought he was, especially when he got early on in the lineup, like, he was really good, and he was very steady on the back end. And then it, I don't know if they were trying to overprotect him like, if they didn't want him mm-hmm. to kind of hit a rookie wall and then kind of doubt himself, similar to, to what Ian Mitchell went through um, this season. And he, yeah. he, by his own admission, too, Ian said, you know, it, um, I know Jeremy Colleton said using the word, like, we want him to get his swagger back. You know, like, where you, you um, I remember that series against Tampa. Ian Mitchell, he, he singled that series out against Tampa on the Florida trip where he was like, I mean, he was on the ice for, for a lot of goals against, and he, you know, his confidence took a hit. And so I think maybe they were trying, they were trying to overprotect Nicholas Bodan in that sense. But I agree. Like, I, I think he could be, um, I don't want to say a key piece moving forward, but like if he's, he seems like the kind of guy where he's not going to light you, he's not going to light up the, he's not going to jump off your television screen, but he's going to be a very yeah. steady defenseman. He could be a, a steady second pairing defenseman. You play him on your, your power play and and he can contribute in that way so i think when when we think of flashiness we think more of adam boquist but if we're talking about steady defenseman i think nicholas bonan is is a guy but i'm not sure exactly where he fits into the puzzle especially given the emergence of wyatt kalanuk and and i don't like there just aren't a lot of spots available so it's like you can pencil in some of the guys um into next season but i don't know exactly how that's all going to play out because they have an influx of those young players Oh, for sure, yeah. It's it, it's such a weird situation because they don't have that true number one defenseman, but there's just a lot of guys, right? Like, you know, Kalanuk is a guy who could maybe be a number four. Nicholas Bodan is a guy who could be a number three, number four, but you don't know. Like, there's just so much to be found out about these guys. And we they haven't even played a normal regular season yet against the entire league, you know, not playing every other night and everything. It's like, it, it's so hard to get a grasp on what, you having these guys, you know, in this kind of year. So uh, I don't know about you or what you would say about this, but I, I personally feel like after next season, they'll kind of have a better idea of what they have in those two guys and really just players in general. Um, and I guess this isn't really another question, but just a, a bit of curiosity. Do you think that this youth movement, do you think that next year they're – they? their focus is even with this good of a season they've had, do you think they're still focused on the youth movement next year? Are they still trying to move forward with that? Yeah, I do think so. I think more so than even this season, because this season was such a wacky year where it was a 56 game schedule. There, there wasn't a lot of travel. You're playing the same teams over and over again and teams adjust, right? So I think next season um, specifically, they're going to get a longer look where, Obviously, we see some guys come from college and they come from juniors and their seasons aren't very long and then they get to the NHL level and it's an 82-game season and that's not even including the playoffs. So I don't know if some of these rookies hit a rookie wall down the stretch here and and it was mentally and physically taxing, but you know, how are they going to adjust to an 82-game schedule also playing against teams across the NHL where you're not playing the same teams over and over and the, and the travel is more demanding and, and it's mentally taxing. Like obviously yeah. this year was, was mentally taxing for different reasons because they were basically restricted to go to the rink, 
go home, stay in your room. You can't interact. Like that part is mentally taxing. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be mentally taxing next season for a different reason where it's a long season. You're, you're playing all these different teams to travel. You're getting in, like, again, assuming that maybe it's going to be more of a typical 82-game schedule where they're going to face a lot of these other teams and they're going to they're going to be arriving back home at 2 in the morning and they're not going to go to sleep until 3 and then they got to practice. Like, that kind of mentally taxing. So, yeah, I yeah. think next season is still, it's still a youth movement, but I would say, like, they, they still want to see progress as a team, too. Like, they don't want to see... We can single out all these individual guys like Brandon Hagel and and Kevin Lincoln and all these young guys that have been bright spots, but but they also want to see the team success um, with the rookies. Yeah. So that's something that um, certainly we're going to have to monitor going into next season too. It's interesting you brought up the name uh, Kevin Lincoln because that leads into our my next question, which is, do you think the Blackhawks go after another goalie in free agency? Because I think Kevin Lincoln definitely had a great start. He was one of the better stories in the NHL, but uh, – the Blackhawks played him a lot down the stretch, and we brought up the fact that this is a very compressed and jam-packed schedule, and uh, it won't be the same as next year, where it's like you're playing like three games and four nights, but there's still going to be probably 82 games uh, next season. And if the Blackhawks did play a full 82-game season, Kevin Lincoln, I believe, would be on pace for almost 60 starts. So the Blackhawks have been playing him a lot, and I'm just wondering if the Blackhawks look to free agency to potentially sign like a 1A, 1B goalie because I think Kevin Lankin could be a 1A or 1B, but uh, kind of just getting another goalie in there. Like maybe I was thinking like an anti Ranta or David Riddick or uh, one of the Carolina goalies with uh, James Reimer or Pierre Mrazek. Or, and I think Malcolm Subban would be a third string goalie, and I just wonder what you think about that, if, they, if that's something you're interested in doing. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think... Like I, I think they, they like what they obviously they like what they have in Kevin Lincoln and he's going to be a guy that they, they kind of want to see a little bit more of. I don't know if they're sold that he's a bona fide number one yet, um, and so maybe you do want to add some help externally to, to kind of bring maybe even a veteran in to, to kind of groom him to be a potential number one. But I don't know if I envision them going out and getting a guy like David Riddick or, or tying up money on the back end or on um, between the pipes um, and kind of relegating you know, a Colin Dealey or a Malcolm Subban to the number three role. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. And, and I don't, again, we're talking if next year is another developmental year. I think if you've kind of identified Kevin Lincoln as a guy that you could build as a potential starter going forward, then maybe you bring in a veteran presence. But I don't know, I don't, I don't know how that would all shake out because Delia is obviously not waiver exempt. So you would have nowhere to kind of stash him without making him clear waivers and then what do you do with Subban who you re-sign um, through the, the 22 season so uh, that's something to, to monitor going forward but I don't think they're going to go externally and try to find a 1A 1B goaltender I think if anything if they do look externally it would be adding a veteran on a maybe a, a one year deal that's low risk and just to, to just to help groom Lincoln and to be the, the potential starter moving forward so that's the only scenario I would see if they went externally for that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, uh, I don't know if they'd be able to get a one-year contract out of any of those goalies, but just, like, looking for a goalie who's maybe a bit older and you can get them for one year and relatively cheap and kind of help, again, like you said, help them groom um, him as maybe potentially into a number one goalie or at least give some uh, insurance or safety net or whatever. And, um, uh, 
Yeah, um, Schmitty, you have a question to ask? Yeah, we've uh, we've been uh, shutting out Schmitty, but now it's just time to shine here. Yeah, I was just um, I we're kind of just staying on the subject of like what kind of might happen with a couple Hawks in the coming or off season, and uh, I feel like one of the names that keeps getting brought up forward wise would have to be Dylan Strom, mainly because, I mean, he he kind of this was the season where he had he was going to have to take a step if he needed to because of Taves and Doc being out at the beginning and kind of seemed like he was kind of in flux with the lines throughout the year and then he got the concussion which didn't help and um his game just kind of seems to be all over the place this year and um I, I see a world where he's still on this team next next season. Uh, there were times where I thought he looked better on the wing than he had in previous seasons, or um, and I also thought he looked okay at center at times this year. But he just has those stints where y- y- you don't see him for a few games, and um, but you know the potential's there. So I was just curious as to um, if you think the Hawks hang on to him through his contract, or do you think maybe they try to pick up some assets for someone like that because he's still young. He's still got. Um, he's still only like 24 and I he's believe, still got so. that third overall pick attached to him you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and that's the tough that's the tough part right the, the fact that he was drafted number three overall is you're maybe looking at this guy as a potential top six forward moving you know like you, you look at him and maybe he believes that he's a he's a top six forward and um, he could be a top six center but I'm really conflicted on this one because I think he could be a really good complimentary player but I don't think that's a knock on him i just think he's a guy that need like he's not a possession driver like he's not going to be the guy that's driving your line he's a guy that needs to play with guys like alex to and patrick kane for him to be effective and so where but at the same time you kind of when you're putting the lines together how where does he slot in do you put him with a guy like patrick kane on the first line but then is he a first line center or do you put him on the second line with alex to but then you're separating Debrinkit from Patrick Kane, and those two are magic together. And then, but but then, if you don't have Debrinkit or Kane with Strom, who's playing with Strom that that can really bring out the best in him? And so that's where I, you know you, you kind of get conflicted because I like Dylan Strom as the player. I think he's a really good complementary piece. I just don't think he, he can drive possession of a line. He needs to play with those players, and there's only two players right now in the Blackhawks that can really create and help for him and he has terrific chemistry with and that's Kane and Debrinkit but unfortunately when the three of them are together Debrinkit, Strom and Kane it's it's high risk it's it's high reward hockey it's it's running gun it's it's, dangerous (laughs) yeah they score a lot but they also give up a lot but also when you're doing that when you put the three of them together then there's another guy on the roster named Kirby Doc and you're like all right well he also needs to play with a playmaker and and a finisher and so that's where it gets dicey, and it kind of got magnified, especially this season without Jonathan Taves. Oh yeah, I was definitely. Say, yeah, definitely. You have Jonathan Taves, who could play with them, you know, like was it Pierce the King of Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I was a, uh, I was curious for a while because I know they tried Stroma Kubalik for a good while, but it seems like Kubalik needs that. He needs that play driving center, a guy like Taves or a guy like Doc to push and create space for him and he just gets to the right spots and makes it happen which is unfortunate because i thought maybe he and strom could work a little bit together but i in my mind i the only way i could see him sticking to this team and i know they've tried it a couple times over the last few years and had mixed results but when it works man that to brink it doc strom line it can it can cause a lot of damage in the offensive zone and docs become doc and to brink it have become a lot more defensively responsible in my opinion this year so if you're going to make it work, in my opinion, that would be the way to make it work. But it's yeah. also 
it's also you gotta you gotta put a guy like Hagor, a guy like Kershev, or a guy like Suter down the line, and that affects it. So I don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> in another uh, like, we I look back at that first year of Dylan Stroms with Chicago. Like, where was he? His bread and butter was that PowerPoint. Like, he was on the first PowerPoint, and that that five man unit literally stayed together from like the end of November and through the rest of the season. And that's where he was getting. That's where he was picking up his points, but that's also where he was getting his confidence because he was almost a point per game player after coming over from Arizona, where he was not getting a lot of. You know, it just just wasn't the right fit. And then he comes to Chicago and like. He was playing in a top six role, but he was most notably on the first power play unit for the final four or five months of the season. And so that really helped his confidence. And so when when he gets stashed on the third line and he's only getting 10 minutes a night and they're, they're coming at even strength, now he's not getting his power play time. And that's where he really picks up confidence. Offensive players in general, that's where they pick up confidence when they're going maybe through a little bit of a slump. Yeah, and I was also and you and you bring up the power play because um, I feel like in the first month, month and a half, Strom was great on that first unit with uh, Shaw and DeBrinket and Kane and Boquist, and then you know injuries happen, lineup changes happen, and then all of a sudden Carl Soderberg takes your spot on the power play, and now you're with twelve minutes a night. So it, it, it's just been a roller coaster of a season for Strom, I think, and I, I would hope they give him one more chance, but if they don't, I can definitely see why not. <laughs> Yeah, and even last year too, I'm thinking back when he when he went through that ankle injury. Like he, he rushed back. Um, uh, yeah, the, the previous the pre yeah the the previous season the, before the I feel like last season was like two seasons. It was like yeah, the regular season, yeah. then like post, the post bubble. But, but I remember oh that cause he didn't have a goal for like two months, and he was out for a yeah. bit, and he was in and out of the lineup for a couple months. It was yeah, kind of and, and years. I, I think. I think he rushed, but he rushed back from it, and then he, he was just not the same player. And it was unfortunate too because you go look at his numbers right before the NHL put its season on pause. Like he, he got put on the line with Patrick Kane, and they were they were Strom was finally developing some chemistry, and he was finally getting into a groove. And then the NHL gets shut down, and then they come back from they come back from the shutdown, and Kirby Doc is like a new player in the bubble, and then it like just basically took. Dylan Strom's spot on the power play and and basically his even strength minutes and so it was just unfortunate because there was nothing Strom did like you know the NHL season just got put on pause and then things kind of changed after that because Kirby took a huge step forward yeah. and I thought Strom looked good in the bubble too I didn't think he looked bad so just a, that's just a courtesy to Doc or a thumbs up to Doc and how great he was so yeah it's not even something Strom didn't do it's what Kirby Doc could do like all these yeah. like, he, like, he was like really he's a different player he was so good in the bubble and I think it goes oh, to show that he definitely is playing like kind of hurt which uh, I think they just said this morning he's not playing the rest of the year yeah. which is a great decision in my opinion I think we can all agree on that yeah. like don't he definitely rushed back from the injury in the first place, so it's like, just why, why give him three more games if he's got the scar tissue for crying out loud? Yeah, like it. What time they did that too? Um, I in the kind of uh was oh yeah, Pierce to piggyback off of uh, uh Dylan's point here. I <laughs> uh, got to get my one in every podcast. Uh, um, to your point, Strom's, to your point, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, to uh, to really add to what you're saying, um. You know, Strom uh, has been a guy who, for a while now, I think we've been talking about, you know, is he, it's like, you know, is he or isn't he, you know, it's on and off, on and off with whether he fits here or he doesn't. And uh, so he's someone who I feel like, you know, it's a pretty 
I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think it's likely he gets moved in the offseason? Yeah, it, it's it's a tough question. Um, simply because of this, like, there's so many pieces, like the like Jonathan Tave's status for next season is up in the air. And then how's he going to yeah. look? Like, is he is he going to be a guy that's that's starting? Like, obviously, Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane, but Jonathan Tave plays a, a really different style of hockey where he, he's yeah. physically demanding. And so he obviously was was terrific in the bubble and was showing no signs of slowing down. But you kind of want to have that center depth, like like Strom, Doc, and Taves down the middle feels like a really yeah. strong combination. And obviously Taves is really the only guy that can that can kind of win consistent faceoffs from that group. But uh, you know, uh, here, here's my thing. I guess um, the Seattle expansion draft is, is kind of going to tell a lot as well. Like. If you wanted to move a guy like Strom, like you would probably ideally want to do it before the draft, so you wouldn't have to protect him. But at the same time, who's going to acquire a guy like that, then have to protect him for the Seattle expansion draft and leave someone else exposed? So it's it's a good question. I mean, obviously something we're going to have to monitor. It's not like we're talking about a guy that's making like a million dollars. Like he he's making three million dollars, and and so he he is kind of like a a piece to to this equation. Um, but I don't. I also don't think that the, like the Blackhawks are fine financially, where they don't have to shed salary. It's just more of like, where do we see him fitting into our puzzle piece? Um, yeah. And you know, and and can, and can he be a building block for the future? Yeah. I mean, it's good we're in a power or a position of power. You know, whereas you know, seasons before it was like they were. Uh, I don't know why I always think of this trade like the Nick Lady trade. Like you were. You were, it was an uphill battle, you know, you weren't, um, you know, you weren't giving up Nick Lenny because, uh, you know, it was a, it was a commodity and, you know, oh, let's see if we can get for him. It was because it was a necessity. You had to get rid of this guy. So I, I would think they at least have a more of a position of power. I would think, I would hope at least for their sake. Um, so, I mean, that's at least, I, I would, I would hope that at least helps the situation. They're not rushing to put him anywhere. Um, at least from uh, kind of what you're saying, but uh, at the same time, like you said, yeah, it's uh, it, it's. I didn't even think about that because yeah, you're you're gonna pick up this guy who this the team already isn't sure what they think about him, and then you got to protect him in an expansion draft. Like that's it. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, but in addition to Strom, like who do you think is because we've kind of seen a big player moved every off season. It feels like. Who do you think is like your dark horse to get moved this offseason, um, if there is anybody? Um, I still feel like if there is nobody, people. just throw a name out there and we can make a headline out of it, and uh, we'll yeah. see. Not clickbait. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh yeah, yeah no pressure. All all Patrick Kane. I don't know. Writing's on the wall. Patrick Kane for Ryan Miller. <laughs> oh, finally, he's coming back out of retirement. Oh my God, the Hawks finally have a goalie for the first time in ten years. Crazy. It's Anthony Emmy. Yeah, I'm not going to throw out any names, but I do. I do feel like some someone from the back end is just going to be whether it's Calvin DeHaan being moved by. I don't want to even say moved. Whether he gets picked by Seattle, whether it's Zadorov, mm-hmm. whether, like someone from the back end, it feels like is going to get moved um, one way or another. Whether it's through the expansion draft or, or through the um, through a trade, um, yeah. and and I I think that's one to, to kind of shed a little bit of salary not that they need to shed salary but yeah. most importantly is like we saw a lot of progression from the prospects and it's just making room for for them like 
if you have a Riley Stillman who can who plays a similar style as Zadorov, like I know I know Stillman's not mean and feisty like Zadorov, but he, he plays a similar style and he could do it for three million dollars cheap cheaper. Well, then you know that's that's the kind of decisions that you want to weigh. And if Adam Bokwas takes the next step, well, then you want to clear you know like someone on the, from the right side where. I know they've been playing some guys that are left-handed shots. They're playing on the right hand. So I think I think someone from the back end is going to get moved, whether it's through the expansion draft or via trade. Yeah, it's like it's like season in, season out. I can almost like the last season I could do this was like 2017-18, sort of the year after, where it was like it was Keith Seabrook or Keith and X, and then Seabrook with somebody on the second pairing, and then you had your third pairing. And then this season I've I, I couldn't tell you the same pairings the same week. Like, it's just a roller coaster ride. I don't know what the word would be, but it's like a turnstile. You know, it's like one second. The revolving guy. door. revolving door on defense. Yeah. revolving door. Everywhere. Yeah. It's, Bodan's played, I think. I feel like Bodan's played three different sides this year, honestly. It's <laughs> it's it's crazy where guys are going. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know what? So, Pierce, make sure to get that headline up right now. Um, oh, dude, I'm. Oh, don't worry, I'm on it right now. Ryan? Question mark. Ryan Miller coming out of retirement? Question mark. Um, Not but, clickbait. Oh yeah, thank you, Charlie. I'm going to be on all these Reddit threads now. Saying, <laughs> <laughs> the black, NHL trainers, John Eklund. <laughs> and then Count Dahan's going to like walk up to you and be like, "What'd you say about me?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. You know, Good thing everything is done over over Zoom. Yeah. So I just had um I know you've brought it up a couple of times already, but uh I feel like a lot for a lot of us the big discussion point is kinda who the Hawks are gonna protect when the expansion draft comes around. I mean, um I know when it when it came around for Vegas, they were I would say they were pretty set up. They were set up pretty well with their like first and second year players. Like they didn't have to protect Panarin, even though they traded him. It didn't matter. But um, I just feel like there's a lot of new pieces that could maybe take some of the um, protection spots. Like obviously a guy like Brandon Hagel. Um, they obviously still have Alex Nylander, who I think they would protect. Um, and like you said, they there's obviously uh, no one knows what's going to happen on the back end. So I don't see them going with the four forwards, four defensemen type thing or an eight player. I forget what that um, setup is exactly. I think it's like eight, eight players in general, but um, I was just curious to what you think their uh, thought process is going into the expansion draft and uh, what they might end up doing in terms of who they're going to protect and who they expose. Yeah. It is interesting because there are a lot of, it's weird because, like, the Blackhawks have to protect a guy like Brandon Hagel, but they don't have to protect Kirby Doc or Dominic Kubelik. Like, it's it's really weird how it's like, you know, those guys have been around longer, but it's because the entry-level contract um, kicked in sooner for, for Brandon Hagel. But, yeah, uh, it is interesting. I, I'm still... I'm still not exactly sure which direction the Blackhawks are going to go in, whether they're going to do the skater option or the, the forwards defenseman. Uh, I tend to think they're going to go with the forward defenseman option um, just because there's, there's kind of like a surplus of defensemen on the back end that they don't necessarily need to protect. Um, you know, I think you can live with one of them getting moved and um, it's more of a priority to, to, to really lock up those, those forwards up front. Um, so, and, and again, uh, it, I think another interesting wrinkle to all this, um, where you, you look at what the Vegas Golden Knights did a few years ago, and they obviously accumulated all these assets to, to take some contracts. Um, but it sounds like Seattle wants to 
stay as close to the floor as possible so that they can have all this cap space to, um, similar to what teams are doing right now, where they have a lot of money that they can acquire future assets to stash some, some bad contracts, but also to be a big game player via free agency in the years to come when the salary cap starts to rise again. So uh, it really depends on what's yet. Like we can, we can look at the Blackhawks roster and be like, Oh, maybe Calvin Hahn is a guy that that could get moved at the expansion draft. But if Seattle's looking at the Blackhawks roster and they're like, we want someone that's, that's low in salary because we feel like we can make it up elsewhere. Like that's, that's a difficult thing to kind of project on the Blackhawks sake, because we don't know what Seattle is thinking as far as how they want to structure their roster moving forward. Yeah, let's hope the yeah. Blackhawks don't protect Nikita Zadorov <laughs> and then trade Nicholas Bodin to Seattle to make sure they keep him, and oh then God, he becomes the next Shea Theodore, so let's hope that doesn't happen. I think what NHL teams are really fearful of is they do, they do not want to be the Florida Panthers of this expansion no. draft. Or even Columbus or Minnesota, man. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Just like, like yeah. retired Daryl Talon. I, I really feel like if the Hawks can come out of this with um, either like a Ryan Carpenter or David Camp being taken or something, you got to look at that as a win. Because I've, I've been kind of looking at what um, Seattle might do in the expansion draft, and unless like some big centers don't get protected that no one expects, it seems like it's going to be a pretty shallow center picking, like a pickings for center uh, going into their expansion draft. So I could definitely see them if they can't protect a guy like Camp, which I don't see them protecting a guy like Camp, but... I could definitely see you like that. Like, like, kind of like Seattle right now, running over for the job. You already know. So David Camp, the next William Carlson, got it. Perfect. Yeah, David God. Camp with one goal, and he can't finish this year. <laughs> yeah, he's totally gonna get forty. Yes, sir. <laughs> if he does, I will eat my words, but that's not happening. Ryan Carpenter has a better chance of that than David Camp. All right. He's been scoring a lot this year. Honestly, this one really weird. Hey, hey, Pierce, he switched to Bauer, Pierce. He switched to Bauer gear. Wow, that's, I, I'm that's... sure that has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like one of three people that knows that. But it's a fact, so. I can't. I, you can't tell me I'm wrong, so. I mean. Draw it up. Draw it up, boys. We got another headline again. <laughs> yeah there's at least like one or two times a podcast where i'll be like hey pierce you know uh this player uh you know did uh xyz with their gear and uh, look what happened and he's like oh yeah that's that's totally why that happened you know yeah. not like he's playing on a line not like he's been playing bumper on the power play at all jimmy no no that's that's not at all why it's like that it's meme like where it's like the scientist you. who does a bunch of research with well stats and then instead of saying like okay but you're wrong but you're like okay but equipment gear if that's you <laughs> that's all it comes down to Pierce it's like my uh, it's like my uh, coach always told me it's the gear that makes the player so instead of so we had the analytics movement are we gonna have the gear movement now uh, like, yes. led by you <laughs> what do you think I've been pushing this entire podcast I mean there it's was the gear good. movement a few years ago for goalies so <laughs> you know what moving the smaller pads I remember Crawford was too happy. I actually remember that, too, because I was at the first game where Crawford used those new pads, and they got shelled by Washington. That was great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had that, that game so last seats to watch Crawford not like his new pads in person. Not fun. It was so funny because Henrik Lundqvist was, like, he was using these huge-ass chest pads, and he was, yeah, he was not happy either about that because that was kind of, like, his little cheat there. Yeah, these big chest pads, these mm-hmm. huge, like, pads. You know what's funny is that, like, you look at, like, what, God, what was that? Like, it was seven years ago. It was seven years ago, and goalies are still as good as they've ever been. Like, it's the same shit. It's the same thing, man. 
All right, they Charlie. So we want to end things off on a glass half full kind of thing. So who do you think, what do you think has been the most positive news for the Blackhawks this season? Ooh, good question. I, I think, um, I think honestly, just there's been a lot of, uh, obviously you, you can look at the standings and this is probably where we expected the Blackhawks to be. Um, going into the season, but I don't know if they expected so many young players to really pop, right? Like, they found a potential starting goaltender in Kevin Lankin, and, like, Brandon Hagel looks like a really good player. Um, they, like, Wyatt Kalanick is really, like, he leads the team in goals, and he's played in, like, fewer than 20 games. Like, all these players, um, and even Pew Suter and, and Philip Kirsch have, have obviously been towards the top things. of the rookie leaderboard and goals and points and so like a lot of these guys have there are pieces here but it's about putting it together as a team and so i think if if there's one i don't know if there's necessarily one positive uh from the season i think it's just like i think it's a collective positive like a lot of young players individually are looking like potential pieces of this group moving forward and i think you can hang your head on that going into next year kind of when you're kind of projecting what the lineup could be like you're, you're starting to feel like okay Brian Hagel you know I don't think this is a one-off year for him I don't think it's just, it's just an expo like I think he could be a, a nice um bottom six winger on a good team but he can also play in your top six if you need him there so I think that there, there's just a, a lot of positives from that aspect on an individual basis and so it's hard to kind of single out one um and and yeah with, with Lincoln and too like he, that's a guy like we went into the season thinking it was going to be Subban or Delia, and here comes Lincoln, and like out of nowhere, like he's the guy that played himself into a Calder Trophy discussion early on, and he's the guy that that is coming out of this battle as the, the potential starter moving forward. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a combination of, of all that um, as as positives. Another huge positive for me is the step that Alex Debrinkit has taken because he had a really tough oh, year last man. year. But I think the biggest Oof. thing for Alex Debrinkit is is like when he was even when he was going through that slump, he was still shooting the puck, and a lot of players at that point would kind of defer and pass. And it's just amazing to see the step that he's taken this year. He already has ten more goals than he does last year in a way more condensed schedule. And not only that, but like his game has just become a lot more complete. You see him like hounding players on the back check now and causing turnovers and the uh the uh, offensive zone and now you see him playing on the penalty kill and i think the biggest thing that stood out to me is that he did that and when a game where the blackhawks are eliminated from playoff contention a lot of players would just kind of take it easy but he put like all his effort into that play and scored and it's just amazing watching him grow into a complete player and being potentially a superstar like a a superstar like a long set of player like kirby duck so i think that's been another uh Big positive. Giddy so. just hearing all of this, man. Yeah. Silenced all the doubters this year. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know all the Debrinket doubters were loud and proud last season. So with this fucking box title is uh, shaking right now, <laughs> for sure. I think a lot I, I see this every day at practice because I'm there and, and at morning skates. But like, I don't know if a lot of people realize how competitive Alex Debrinket is. Like. He is an extremely competitive guy. I don't know if, again, I'm viewing it from a different lens because I, I kind of see him every single day at practice and behind the scenes, but I don't know how it comes across on television where you're watching him um, oh, it on shows. games. But, oh. I, I mean, he's as competitive a, a player as I've been around, but it's a quiet competitive. Like, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll 
he'll do these things. That he's not Andrew Shaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's not like a like. But he's also he's also loud at practice too. So, anyways, it's just another layer of his game where he's not just good. He's also like he wants to be good. Like he wants to be great. Yeah. He wants to be pushed. And so, yeah, it's been it's been. I think we we all expected him to, to kind of bounce back this season after a down year, but to the degree of which he has bounced back, but and scoring the goals, but also how great of a two hundred foot player he's become has been terrific. Like, how many times have we have we watched Blackhawks games this year where, like, he he's going into a corner and he's not even the first guy there, but like he somehow comes away with the puck. Like, he's the smallest yeah. guy in the ice. Yeah, that, and yeah. That's literally the goal he scored against Dallas this year. Yep. Oh, yeah. He directly needs a scoring chance. And so it's just crazy. Like, he's just been. Honestly, honestly, got like he he is right up there with Patrick Kane as team MVP. Like I know Patrick Kane, oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but like Alex Debrinket, like he he's right he up there with team for team MVP. You certainly could argue oh, no, he's their sure. most complete and consistent player. I would say this oh, no, year. He is. No, he is. There's no, no question. question about it. And yeah. just watching him wear the A, and not only, theory, yeah. and just like watching him wear the A at only 23 years old, that just says a lot to how much the coaching staff like likes him and his game. And I also like the fact that again, you bring up the fact he's only five foot seven, which might even be being generous. But the fact that he do, he goes into the <sighs> corners and battles, <laughs> and the fact that he like isn't he doesn't shy away from the post whistle scrums i just it just speaks to like again you bring up the fact yeah he has that skill but he also has that uh will and determination to become even better like like a 200 foot player which is what the what the great players do the great players they have a great skill set but then they think of okay what can i do better and i think that's what alex debrink gets done and yeah so thank you charlie for coming on but before we let you go we just want to ask you a few lightning round questions if that's all right with you <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> all right so uh, first off, what's your favorite uh, movie? Ooh, my favorite movie. Um, I don't know if this is kind. Of, this is kind of like a cop out, but the one movie that anytime it comes on, like Miracle. Like yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> anytime it comes on, like I have to drop everything that I'm doing. I'm like, well, I guess there goes in two hours of my day. Like it, it's. Um, but if we're not talking, if we're talking like, like. I love, I'm obsessed with the Back to the Future trilogies. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> that is like the perfect, uh, it was actually on, um, I think it was last week or the weekend before. It's like, it's the perfect Saturday binge watch movie. Like, if it's on TV and like the trilogy's on, it's like my, my whole day is gone. Like, I, I just watch it. I so. can just imagine you having to cover Blackhawks game and it's like, oh, I got to go to the rink, but Back to the Future's on TV right now. Yep. <laughs> Guess I'm not going my to My paying job yeah. can wait. <laughs> Um, yeah, next that would, be, that would be my answer. Yeah, next question is your favorite album slash band. Oh man! Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> all right, you guys ready for this? Let's hear it. Yes, sir. Uh, you know what? I, I don't I don't know if I have one right now, but I'll tell you what my favorite was growing up. Yeah. I, and I'm not afraid oh, to wait, admit this. Back, Backstreet Boys. Oh, yes, I sir. like that. I like that. I like I, that. They were my they were my first they were my first concert, and I just been. That's a good first concert. Wow, Dude, it's, a great, it's a great first concert. Yeah. Um, now, they're no wings, but they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not necessarily my, not necessarily my favorite band right now, but that that's um, yeah. Growing up, that was it. No, no. I'm actually about to go out to a uh, Starved Rock. 
after this ends, so I know what I'm blasting on the way there. The Wiggles? Kind of the, uh, oh, that, I mean, that's that's kind of like a given, but in addition to that, <laughs> you know, got to add a little bit of spice to it. Got to get that boys. fruit salad in there, Jimmy. <laughs> you think it, oh, God, the worst thing is I can definitely recite that song. So can I, oh, don't worry. Uh, Dude, the, yeah, the amount of times I've watched as, as a child. Um, <laughs> second last question, what's your favorite TV show? Ooh, um, the moment he became high, that's great. <laughs> so, alright. You got you know me. What? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men? No, it's <laughs> outside the box, I like that. I like yeah, your outside the box picks. It's funny, it's funny, like, but if we're, if we're actually talking about, like, TV series, like, I would say, um, like, I just got done, or, well... I, do you guys remember this? The, I don't know if you guys watched the show Suits. No, I don't think yeah, so. That's so yeah, that's weird. Okay, my friend hey, Julia is watching that, and she keeps telling me, she's like, I'm obsessed with this show. It's really, it's like, really good, but I, I will say this. They should have, actually, I, I guess I shouldn't spoil it for, for anyone that's yeah. trying to listen, but me. It, gets, <laughs> it gets, it's really good. And then it just it went downhill because they tried to continue to extend it, and so like after a particular uh, season, like every TV show ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is why we love Breaking Bad. Yeah, after a particular season, I, I feel like they should have just cut it off there. Um, but yeah, that was a show I, I really liked, and then it kind of went downhill a little bit. But that's okay. You can always pinpoint where they extended too much too. That's the thing. You can always pinpoint it. You know, my dad just walked by, so I mean, I, I feel like you should have saved the two and a half men part for them because if he, if he catches your that, you guys are having a good conversation for <laughs> two hours. All right, Charlie. I this, just like to laugh. Sorry. This is the most important question, Charlie. Your reputation oh hangs on this as a uh, journalist. Okay. Do you think right. pineapple belongs on pizza? No. <laughs> Firm no. Firm no, I like that. I love, right. the, I love the, uh, the energy there, too. Just, just no. Yeah, but he lives in Chicago. He's spoiled the pizza. It's like, I'm in Florida, all right? Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly it. I, I live in Chicago, and so the mm-hmm. just the deep dish pizza, like, I don't think anything is long. Like, it's good the way it is. Man, I I would kill for some some Lou Malnati's or something. Oh, here's, yes. here's the, I'm this like, what are you guys I, talking I, I about right terms. now? <laughs> Pierce is just like, he's like Ryan from The Office writing in the book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm on the list now. All right, all right, boys. Well, thanks for having me on. I know this is going to be my last podcast because Pierce is never going to invite me again. No. Oh, no, never. <laughs> well, it's, no, maybe it's really I'll break nice tradition. Maybe I'll. Say, Schmitty, Charlie, you know, I'm really glad that we have taste in pizza on like most Canadians out there, you know, with their other wow. Hawaiian. Crash, wow. but, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm nothing but nice to you, Jimmy. I never make fun of you for the Brandon Saad trade or the two you cheering for the Leafs, oh so God, I don't get why I deserve God. this. But, uh, anyways, Charlie, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I think you might. I think you might have been doctor at this point. But uh, Charlie, thank you for coming on. We might. I might even break tradition and ask you to come on again this year. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to see what happens. You never know in this COVID world what's ever going to happen. So uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, Charlie. It was great to hear your insight. It's always great to have you coming. You need listen, Charlie. Don't listen to him. Don't don't give in to it. Don't make one. But my pleasure, guys, and uh, keep up the good work. And I I look forward to uh, doing it again. Awesome. Thank Uh, you you very much, man. man.